the pastors here. And uh, what I kept thinking about standing back there is it's a good thing we're a battleship, not a cruise ship. Now, if you are visiting with us, we use that phrase to talk about what the church is supposed to be. A lot of times we view the church as a cruise ship where we come to get our needs met, to be comfortable, to get the music we like. But you know what? When you're packed in like this, this is not a cruise ship. This is more like a battleship, which is what the church is supposed to be, on mission, sacrificing ourselves uh, for what God wants to do. So thank you for being here. And we're going to do something that we never, ever, ever do because it's so awkward, but we're going to do it. Um, find somebody close to you you don't know, introduce yourself, and uh, just wish them a happy new year. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Eden? Oh, she's in. Okay, that's enough. We don't have all day. <laughs> so... Last night, I went to the movies yesterday, uh, and we saw a preview for a movie I really want to see called Shazam. Anybody seen that preview? Like, what? How is this possible? Does that look like a good movie or what? Yeah, that looks good. Well, you want to see Shazam? Well, yeah, this is going to be really cool. It's about a kid who, when he goes, Shazam, he turns into a superhero and he's an adult, but he's, never mind. You, you should see it. But... On the topic of movies, since you brought it up, uh, what is the most popular series or, of movies ever produced? Do you know? No. no. <laughs> Anybody know? What is the most popular of all time series of movies? No. No, not Harry Potter. Marvel. Somebody got it right. Who, who got it right first? Cindy, wow. Yes, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the, the best-selling franchise of all time. Why do you think that is? It, yes, somebody, the, the idea of the hero story is really a, a cool story. If you grew up, all right, how many nerds grew up reading hero comic books? Okay. What's so fun about these, these hero stories is there something in those stories that resonate with us? At least for me, I remember I, I loved superheroes. In fact, what's the best superhero out there? Superman. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I, I, I mean, think about it. If Hulk, he can do one thing, smash. Um, if you were in trouble and you had a phone and you could call any superhero, you would only call Superman. Yes, you would. You would. All right. All right. You need something lifted. Superman. You need somebody to fly. Superman. I mean, kryptonite, krypton is so far away, you can't act. Forget about that. If you need to go back in time, Superman can do that too. Just watch Superman 2 from like 1984. It's awesome. And he goes around the world. Superman. Well, I bring this up because we're going to be in the book of Mark for the next three weeks. So turn to Mark chapter 1, if you would. 
The book of Mark, see, there's, there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels because they're a lot alike. They tell the same story in, in much the same way, but they're written to different audiences and for a different purpose. Uh, we already looked through Matthew. We did a survey of Matthew, and we saw Matthew was really written to the Jews to say, hey, Jesus is the Messiah you've been waiting for. All of Israel's history was looking forward to the prophet that would, would come, uh, the son of man that would come, the Messiah that would come. And Matthew is, is written to go, Jesus is what you've been waiting for. Mark is written to more of a Gentile audience. Jews as well, but mainly more to a Gentile audience, and he handles it differently. Mark is really about action. If you read through it, kind of a fun thing would be just to read through and notice every time it says immediately or right after He's all about action and moving. I, I think if Mark could write nowadays, he would write in like comic book form. Um, and if you like comic book form, we had the Action Bible back there, which is really cool, or Adventure Bible, which is really cool for kids. Um, but Mark is really all about action. And in this, we're going to see what I might call the, the shadow of all these hero stories is a true story. The story of Jesus Christ is a true story. It's not a myth. It's not a legend. And Jesus is the true hero who's even greater than Superman. He's greater than we can imagine. He is the true hero, the true hero story. And it's interesting if you look at stories and pay attention, they kind of fa follow this pattern that God already wrote. So my, my daughters are getting into writing books. They'd like to write. And I have an eighth grader named Lydia. And she's in a writing class, and, and they gave her an assignment to follow an order, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, but it was, you know, you're, I don't, I don't even remember the order, but there's this order. And then I looked up hero stories. They also follow kind of an order. And at some point, the hero has to go through this crisis. And, and then finally, the hero makes a, a sacrifice for the good of others that are helpless and hopeless. And I looked through the pattern, and I'm like, that's the gospel. That's the gospel pattern that resonates with our hearts. And so now clever writers just take what God already did and they, they give it to us. They give it to us in, in you know, Captain America and, and Iron Man. But if you look, there's this hero story and Jesus is that hero. It includes the supernatural. He is the son of God. He is eternal. It includes miracles. Jesus worked miracles and still does. It includes a future, fantastic, wonderful, perfect heaven where we are with him and together forever on earth. There's something about those movies. Uh, Avatar. Did you guys ever see Avatar? Yeah. I loved Avatar because it was this, this mystical place, you know, these beautiful flowers. And, it, and it's just this adventure. And the idea of adventure resonates with us because there's something real about that. It's not just stories. We can get so, especially here in America, we're so comfortable. We're so rich. We're so full all the time that life can just be. But yet there is this very real adventure that began with God, continued, really culminated the climax with Jesus and continues until he comes back. And by the way, that adventure is going to continue forever for those of us who belong to him. It's not like we're going to die or Jesus comes back and then we get our harp and our wings and we just hang out. There's going to be adventure forever because that's who God is and that's who he made us to be. So look in Mark chapter 1. And we're going to see how this story, this hero story begins. Mark 1, starting in verse 1. It says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, hold on. Gospel, we talked about this last week. Gospel means good news. And it means specifically the good news 
of a coming king. Jesus is the king, the Messiah promised from the Old Testament. He has come to change the world. That's what gospel means. It refers to God's work through Jesus of saving people from their sins. Not everybody will be saved. Only those who believe in Jesus for salvation, who believe he died on the cross, rose from the dead and trust him with their life. So that's the gospel. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached saying, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Mark begins with a very dramatic picture. Now Matthew and Luke, they both begin with these genealogies that if I'm honest, a lot of times when I've read those, I'm like, let's just skip the genealogy. But it's very significant. The genealogy of where Jesus came from, descendant from King David had to be. Well, Mark, I think Mark is probably the first of the gospels written. He doesn't include a genealogy. He jumps right in to the action, but he doesn't jump in with Jesus. He jumps in with John. Now, this is not the Apostle John. This is John the Baptist. Uh, what do we notice about John, kids? As you look in those, tell me something about John you see in those verses. Something that stuck out to you as I read. Anybody? Any kid notice something cool about John or weird? What, what was weird? I have a you have a friend named John. That's not weird. That's pretty normal. That's cool, though. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, John, he was a Baptist. I, I guess he was the first Baptist. Um, John the Baptist. John wore camel's hair. John had a belt. He did not eat well, unless you think eating locusts, which are bugs. They're big grasshoppers. Yeah, that's what he ate. Dipped in honey, though. Locusts and honey. Yeah. <laughs> he wore camel's hair, which made me wonder, is that, was that normal? You know, that'd be like us wearing horse hair. They rode the camels. I don't know. He wore camel's hair. He was a Nazarite which means he never cut his hair, he never drank alcohol, he never shaved his beard. So this guy would have had hair flowing, probably kind of matted. I don't think shampoo was great yet. I'm not sure. Maybe he had it in a man bun, like a really big, I don't know. <laughs> but, but John the Baptist was a wild looking dude. And he was out there hanging out in the wilderness and all were coming to see him. Something was cool about John. He was adventurous. Why were all these people going out? So. Picture the way movies typically start, like a Batman movie. How do the Batman movies start? It's dark, and you're going through an alley, and you see, like, the condition of the city, right? You see somebody getting mugged over here, somebody passed out over there, some rich people going to a show over here. That's kind of what Mark is doing. He's setting the scene of the area of Judea and Jerusalem, and here's the picture before Messiah comes, John the Baptist, and he's preaching a message of repentance, so here in Judea, in Jerusalem, and right outside there's this river, and it says he's in the wilderness, which just means a desolate place. 
People are leaving where they live and they're traveling hours and hours and hours walk, hours and hours to go to this river to see John and hear him. And then they'll come back and you guys should hear this crazy guy out there. This is not a tame picture. Jerusalem, Judea, the Jews were waiting for their Messiah, but right now their religion was really one of just that religion of doing the right things, of behaving, of going to church, of doing your sacrifices, of, of giving a certain percent. And they were doing these things, but their heart, in general, their hearts really weren't toward God. And so they could do these religious things, but then also do all their sin on the side and no big deal. Well, John was preaching something different. He's saying, hey, basically God wants you. So here's how we live is we repent from our sins, meaning turn and turn to God. He wasn't talking about religion at all. He was talking about be done with your sin and turn and let God be in control of your life. John was teaching about life change and people were coming to hear it, one, because he looked crazy, but then two, they'd hear this message and go, that sounds right. In fact, that resonates with the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the prophets and, and David wrote, you know, God doesn't want your sacrifice. He doesn't want your stuff. He wants you. Stop going to the temple. Stop doing that until you give yourself to him. Well, now John, who is the last of the Old Testament prophets, is saying kind of the same stuff. Stop with your religious stuff and follow God. And if you do, then you'll probably do the religious stuff because it's good stuff to do, but you'll do it with the right heart. And so they're coming out. They're hearing the message. They're saying, I think that's right. I want to follow God. And so John would baptize them, just like we did last week here in that tank. He would baptize them in the Jordan River, not for forgiveness forever. John didn't have that authority, but it was for the forgiveness of sins. It was people appealing to God, forgive me for my sins, and he was baptizing them to show that that's what they were trying to do. John guided people to make a public declaration of repentance through baptism and paved the way for the Messiah. That was John's mission, to set the stage for the Messiah. He wasn't the hero, really. He was like the sidekick. And so he was paving the way, and he was pointing toward Jesus, although he didn't know it was Jesus yet. But the Messiah is coming, and he's preparing that way. And he talks about this coming Messiah in verse 8. He says, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Do you remember Pentecost? which was after Jesus died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He taught for 40 more days, and then he ascended into heaven. A few days later, all the Jesus followers were in a room, and, and he sent the Holy Spirit, came on them. They started speaking in languages they didn't know. They walked outside and preached, and thousands were saved that day. That's what John's talking about here. In about three and a half years from now-ish, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He is so much greater than I am. So he was pointing forward to Jesus. Now, look, verse 9, we see Jesus. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. In the other Gospels, we get a lot more information around here, but Mark, he's just kind of quick. Here's what happened, because he wants to move on to more of the action. But this is kind of a neat picture. So Jesus here is probably 27, 28 years old-ish. By the way, John is only six months older than Jesus. So they're fairly young, you could say, by our standards. Jesus, as a 27, 28-year-old, what had he been doing that whole time? 
Well, his, his stepdad, his earthly dad was Joseph, who was a carpenter, which you've probably seen the movies of Jesus making a table for somebody. That's not what carpenters did in the first century. They had tables, yeah, but carpenter literally was a builder, and in that area, they mostly built with stone. So Jesus, he was a construction worker. He was a mason. He was a contract. He worked with, with his stepdad. His stepdad isn't in the scene here, so he died at some point, and Jesus took over the, the family business, it looks like. So Jesus looked like a normal guy. I mean, he was unique. If you knew him, you would know he was unique because he was sinless, uh, but he was just kind of a normal guy until this point where he says the time is fulfilled. Now we're getting going on this mission. So Jesus was always the hero. But here is, you know, in the movies, there's always that point. By the way, I'm going to ruin movies for you now. Uh, but in the order they follow, uh, the character always has to wrestle with their mission that they're given. You know, hey, you need to go do this. Oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not going to do it. You know, and they wrestle with it. And then finally something happens that forces them into it. They accept the mission and they go. This is where, you know, Thor gets his hammer back. And he's going to, this is where Rambo tightens the thing. And he, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's Jesus being baptized. Now, Jesus never didn't want to carry out his mission. He knew what he was doing, but right here is when it's like, okay, it's go time. It's the gun at the start of the race. And Jesus goes and gets baptized. Now, we see in the other Gospels, John recognizes Jesus. Now, he, he knew Jesus, by the way, they're cousins. So he knew him in his life some, but he didn't know he was the Messiah until this point. And Jesus kind of made his way through the crowd and God had told John, there'll be a sign for you and you'll know it's the Messiah. Well, that sign up here, he's like, Jesus, I didn't know that. And Jesus comes out, he's like, hey, you're going to baptize me now. John says, no, 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 I need to be baptized by you. I, I mean, golly, who do you think I am? And Jesus says, no, this needs to be done. I, I picture this as kind of like a private conversation, probably out in the water, and everybody's, and so then he baptizes Jesus. Jesus comes out, the heavens open, a dove descends, this, this picture of the Holy Spirit coming on Jesus with power to begin his ministry. And then a voice comes out saying, you are my beloved son, and you I'm well pleased. Who does that voice speak to? It speaks to Jesus. Did everybody else hear? We have no idea. It doesn't say. We don't know. Maybe they heard thundering. Maybe they heard the vo We don't know exactly. But God was speaking for the sake of the son of Jesus. I find this very, very interesting. Because Jesus, as you read through, and we looked at this last week, he's fully God, but he's also fully man. Jesus knew what he was going to do. He knew what his ministry was going to entail. Remember that the night before he went to the cross, what was Jesus doing? He was begging God to do a different way, to, to, to find a different way. He was sweating drops of blood. He was so anxious about what he was about to do. Not just beaten with whips, although that was going to be horrible. Not just a crown of thorns on his head, although that was going to be horrible. Not only nailed to a cross and die, on a cross you die of suffocation, if you didn't know that. In order to take a breath, you have to pull yourself on you know, the, the stakes that are, the nails, you have to pull yourself up to breathe. And eventually you, you, go, you get so weak you can't pull yourself and you suffocate to death. That's how Jesus was going to die. More than that, he was going to take the sins of the world on his shoulders. Here, the beginning of his ministry for Jesus was the beginning of his significant work, but he knew what it was going to entail, and he knew how it was going to end. How would you feel in that situation? I mean, from a human standpoint, it was awesome that God gave him some encouragement right then. God opened up the heavens, and you just see this interaction between the Son and the Father. I love you. I'm pleased with you. This is going to work out. Immediately after, he goes to be tempted. Look at these verses. 
Verse 12. The Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals. He was with the wild animals. This is an, an interesting short few verses, but we see Jesus and his first encounter with Satan. He's tempted. Now, the other gospels give us more information. We know he was out there for 40 days. He hadn't been eaten. He was hungry. Uh, in the other gospels, we see three temptations, but there were probably more. Those are just the ones that, that are documented. Is this a tame picture? Again, I, I love the way Mark writes because our, the way I have viewed church most of my life is just the same dry, boring church. Is this boring? <laughs> where, where, I mean, Mark throws in the detail he's with the wild animals. Why, why throw in that? I think part of just the idea of what's going on here. This is, he's away from all humanity. He's having this wrestle with Satan where, who's trying to tempt him. And in those temptations, the ones we see... Satan, who is, by the way, the ruler of this world, he has authority on this world. God allows it. Uh, God has authority above, so he doesn't do anything that God doesn't allow, but he, he has control over the kingdoms. And in these temptations, one of those is Satan says, Jesus, if you bow the knee to me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. What was Jesus's mission? Why did he come? <laughs> to die so that he could reign as king over all humanity. So Satan was saying, I'm going to give you the culmination of your mission without going through all this pain and suffering. I'll just, you just bow the knee to me. That's easy. And he had authority to give that. Interesting. So Jesus is tempted right at the start with these temptations, and he wins. Jesus, in Hebrews, it writes, he was tempted in all things like us, yet without sin. At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, Satan attempts to derail it. Now, come next week, because we're going to look at more of the battle. Uh, again, the other Gospels have more detail here. Mark, it's very short, because through the rest of the book of Mark, you see more of that battle. You know, some, some say, we see all these demon possessions and things in the Gospels. Why don't we see those now? Uh, I think part of it is maybe, oh, what's that movie? I don't remember the movie, but it says the, the, the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing the world he didn't exist. I think that's kind of the state of things now. But also, when God came in flesh, there was just a heightened spiritual battle going on. And so we'll see it throughout Mark. Satan is coming after Jesus. There's going to be, I don't want to give it all away, but there's going to be the storm. Satan's probably behind the storm trying to kill Jesus. Uh, the, the demons are coming up and they're challenging Jesus. They're trying to expose him. If you have a demon following you, you, you know, going, hey, that's the son of God. And people know this person's demon possessed. That's not a good uh, referral, you could say. And, and so, so, so Satan is coming after Jesus. And here we get that first glimpse of this battle that, by the way, we know he's going to win. I mean, every hero story ends with the hero winning, right? Except for the recent Avengers, but there's a sequel. And we know what's going to happen. Everybody's going to come back alive. I'm just predict I'm predicting. But, but here, this story about Jesus, we know the end. Jesus rises from the dead. And now we're in that in-between stage where Jesus is going to come back. He's going to judge perfectly. He's going to give us new bodies. He's going to, I mean, I can't wait till this day. He's going to look me in the eye. I, I know it. And go, all those things you regret, I totally forgive you. <laughs> I mean, just picture that between now and then. 
There is still an adventure where Jesus is still at work as the hero trying to save people. So Jesus goes out, he's tempted, he's victorious, and then he enters his mission. Verse 14. Now, after John was arrested, is this a boring story? I mean, golly, <laughs> there's so much action here. John paved the way. He baptizes Jesus. Now his job is done. You know what's going to happen to John? They're going to cut his head off pretty soon. John is arrested and he stays in jail, in prison until he's killed. He's done in the, in the story. So after he is arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This was Jesus's ministry. This is how he began. He no longer was building houses. So if you called, you know, Joseph and Sons Construction, or the other, the other brothers took over, he's done with that now. He is now going around preaching. And what's his message? Repent and believe. John was saying, repent, turn to God. Jesus is saying, John's right, repent, and now believe. And I'm going to tell you what to believe. Believe in me. Jesus would say, I am the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It says he was sharing the gospel. That means the story, the good news of God saving people through Jesus. That was Jesus's message. Repent and believe in the gospel. He would say the kingdom of God is at hand. The king is here present among you. What does Jesus call people to do? Well, we look on. Verse 16, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. All right, before we go on, any of you kids listening? When Jesus called people, what did he call them to do? I want an answer from a kid. Somebody paying attention. Repent and believe, and then do what? Go. Not yet. You are a grown-up. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Follow. What did he, when he saw, he saw the fishermen out there doing the fishing, and he said, hey, follow me. That's his message, follow. Verse 17, Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going a little farther, farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and they followed him. So yeah, Jesus says, repent, believe. That was a right answer. Now follow. Now follow. This is the gospel. You remember in X-Men, <laughs> when, when uh, Professor X is, is trying to get all the X-Men together, and you, you see him you know, visit the fast kid and, the, and then Wolverine, you know, he's go, and he's trying to find these super-powered people to join his team. Is that what Jesus does? No. <laughs> no. Jesus picks normal, average people. These are not overly educated people. These are blue-collar workers like him. He chooses normal people. And he says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Why did Jesus not go choose the elite? He could have. 
He could have gone into Jerusalem, into the temple, and found the best of the best Pharisees, the, you know, the, the religious leaders, because many of them later would follow him. He could have gone there and said, you six, you guys are awesome. Let's go do some good stuff. Why did he choose normal people? I think this is key because he's still the hero. You know, we want to, at least me growing up here in the story, I wanted to be the hero in the stories, didn't you? I, I mean, you want to be in the story, but you really want to be the hero. The thing about the gospel is it's not centered on me. It's centered on Jesus. So these men are going to do amazing things, but it's Jesus doing those things in and through them. Follow me, he says, and I will make you. You see a call and a promise. The call is to follow. Every Christian is called to follow, if, if you don't know that. We're not called to go to church. We're not called to sit and just read our Bible. We're called to follow. That means Jesus is doing some things. He's going somewhere, and we're supposed to follow him. Uh, part of the way you follow him is being involved with the church. So if you live somewhere else, get involved with the church. But that's part of how we, we follow. Uh, in his word, he'll show us how to follow. And then the Holy Spirit in you will prompt and guide and, and lead. But we're called to follow, not just to sit and be good Christians. So that's, that's the call to follow. But then he gives a promise. Follow and I will make you. So we don't fabricate something. I will make you. Kids, do you guys want to do something awesome in life? <laughs> do you want to be used for God for something spectacular? That will happen if you follow Jesus. I promise you. At the end of your life, you're going to look back with God, and Jesus is going to go, kid, although you won't be a kid anymore, look at your life. Look at all the things. Because you followed me, I accomplished through you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's go play bocce ball. Or something. But, but Jesus is going to be proud of you by simply following him, not for what you can fabricate on your own. Follow me and I will make you, he says, fishers of men. As you follow, he will make you what he wants you to be. He will live in and through you to do great things for people and for his kingdom. Jesus is still the hero. Do you get that? We're not the center of attention. We're not the center of the story, Jesus is still the hero. And we can align here with, with these disciples where he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I've, I've heard it said, oh, that was a call just to Peter and those guys. That call isn't to us. Well, yes, it is. This was written long after that because Mark wanted you to hear this call and go, when Jesus calls somebody, it's to follow and then he will make you. Now, we're not all evangelists out on the street. You know, we're not all pastors called to preach, but we are called to be part of this whole fishers of men thing. It's called also making disciples, taking people that don't know him yet, introducing them to Jesus, helping them grow. That's all part of it. And we're all called to be part of that mission. You know, as I was thinking this morning, every Sunday morning, I, I pray over what I'm going to be preaching on. And this morning, God kind of pointed out, he said, you know what, the, what's the application here? Jesus is the hero, and we should be following him. Sometimes we read this book that tells us about things 2,000 years ago, and we think that was 2,000 years ago. Do you know that the same hero then is the same hero now, and he's doing similar things now? Last week uh, on Christmas Eve, we got to see a baptism, and we got to hear a story. Lisa, I'm not going to put you on the spot. Oh, I just did. Um, but, but she very lovingly and honestly shared her story of having addictions, of being pulled aside, but, but hearing God's call 
And this was three months ago or so. And she went home and mom said, you need to go to a church. She's like, well, where, what church is open on a Sunday night? And that was one of the days we were doing something unique. We never do stuff on Sunday night, and we did. And she came in, and, and since then, she's been changed. That's God at work. That's, that's, that's Jesus the hero going, I love you, and I'm not going to let you get away. And grabbing her and pulling her to him. Here's another one. I'm not going to give it away, but there's a family here who said, we want to bless somebody Christmas. Here's, a, here's stuff to give to a needy family. And so then we're going, okay, who, who could use this? And we're trying to figure out who God would use. Now, we're meeting down in, in Pinion, and we're meeting in several classrooms. One of the classrooms, the teacher of the classroom, was actually one of my kids' teachers. She's a great lady, great teacher. As far as I know, not, not a Jesus follower, but really a, a great teacher. And we're using her classroom. Well, we find out about this family that isn't really going to have Christmas. But we don't find out from there. We find out from somewhere else. Find out there's a kid also in that class. Find out that teacher, student taught under somebody who goes to church here years ago, who also has connections to this family. So then that teacher and one of you went shopping for that family and got all this stuff. And then one of you in here that looks kind of like Santa put on a Santa outfit and went and, and delivered it. So yeah, you guys can probably figure out that one. <laughs> um, and, and delivered it. But here's this, all these pieces to bless this one family. It all had to come together. That's Jesus. That's Jesus working right now going, here's, here's a family I want to love on. And who does God use? He uses his people. He uses, will that family get saved? I don't know. But I'll tell you what, those kids had a better Christmas than they would have. And I think that matters to God. Will they get saved later? I sure hope so. I hope God will enter that. But that's just people being available to God and Jesus working in and through his people. And I could continue with the stories. I could continue with the things God is doing. But the adventure continues. We know how the story ends, but it continues now. And Jesus is the hero. So I would just ask you as we move forward, do you turn to Jesus for everything as if he is the hero? Do you follow him? And do you let him do heroic things in and through you? We're going we're gonna to take communion now. And this is our way of remembering what Jesus did until he comes back. Now, normally, what we do is we get up.